Welcome to North Clay Baptist Church, and we're going to continue in our reading through the Bible in a year devotional program. Today we will begin the book of Romans, and we will cover chapters 1 and 2. Um, in um, my study Bible that I have been using, um, the Ligonier Reformation Study Bible, the uh, under characteristic and themes, it has a very good synopsis of what we're going to look at and, and what Paul covers in this letter. So I just thought I would read it from there. It says it as well as any, uh, better than I could. In Romans, Paul is Paul's fullest, grandest, most comprehensive statement of the gospel. Its compressed declarations of vast truths are, li are like coiled springs once loosed, they leap through the mind and heart to fill one's horizon and shapes one's life. John Chrysostom, the 5th century's greatest preacher, had Romans read aloud to him once a week. Augustine, Luther, and Wesley, three supremely significant contributors to the Christian heritage, all came to assured faith through the impact of Romans. All the reformers saw Romans as the God-given key to understanding all Scripture. Since here, Paul brings together all the Bible's greatest themes. Sin, law, judgment, human destiny, faith, works, grace, justification, sanctification, election, the plan of salvation, the work of Christ and of the Spirit, the Christian hope, the nature and life of the church, the place of Jew and non-Jew in the purposes of God, the philosophy of the church, and world history, the meaning and message of the Old Testament, the duties of Christian citizenship, and the principles of personal godliness and morality. From the vantage point given by Romans, the whole landscape of the Bible is open to view, and the relation of the parts to the whole becomes plain. The study of Romans is vitally necessary for the spiritual health and insight of the Christian. So in chapter 1, Paul issues a greeting to the church at Rome, tells them of his long desire to come to them in Rome, and that he always mentions them in his prayers. In this prayer, Paul, an apostle, a man who walked in the power of the Holy Spirit like very few have, acknowledged his personal desire to come to Rome for quite some time. His personal desires did not supersede the will of God. And if God wills that Paul should go to Rome, he would gladly go. This is a good lesson for us as well. We should absolutely come before God in prayer and petition our Heavenly Father for things that we desire. However, our desire should always be, not my will, but your will be done. Considering, continuing in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul sums up the pattern for his ministry. We'll reach uh, verses 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The riches, richness of the gospel truths found in these two verses. The gospel is indeed powerful to save. All of the Old Testament promises made to Israel find their yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. To the Jew first, the New Testament church was born on Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem. To the Jew first. And Paul's pattern in each city 
or region he traveled to, he would first go to the synagogues. However, these Old Testament promises now extend to the Greeks as well. This means that because of Christ, the gospel promises are now for all who will believe, regardless of nationality. We see this in the nations of the known world present at Pentecost. We also see this in the church at Rome. The church at Rome doesn't have a direct apostolic foundation in that the church existed before any apostle arrived there to minister to the people. The gospel spread from those Hellenistic Jews returning to Rome after Pentecost. In chapter 1, Paul closes with the teaching of God's wrath on the unrighteousness of sin. And moving to chapter 2, we read of God's righteous judgment against the lawbreakers. And just to make sure that Paul ruffles everyone's feathers, he indicts the Jews as kinsmen as well. In chapter 2, verses 17 through 24, we read, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children having the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. These are hard words for them to hear. They should also be hard words for us as well. We have the full counsel of God's word, His law. Do we too condemn the lawbreaker while breaking the law ourselves? Do we too often presume upon God's grace? Is God's name blasphemed because of us also? As 21st century Christians, we of all people are without excuse. So let us examine ourselves daily to see.